You either laugh or cry, I'm telling you, man. When you recognize your heart is selfish, you either laugh or cry. And we prefer to laugh, obviously. No one likes to cry in front of people for being selfish. Um, but it is giving my children some language, uh, especially when one of the other kids is being selfish. They say, you're being the most selfish man. And uh, so if it's giving you language, it's fine. Mission accomplished. Uh, so... Well, I am excited to be able to be here knowing that how hard it was to get here this weekend. Uh, less than 24-hour turnaround, six flights, two, four of which doors were shut before I could actually get on the plane. Uh, it was chaotic, to say the least. I had to uh, Usain Bolt across Chicago O'Hare not once but twice, and then across Charlotte International when I ran past the sign that said my walk to the gate that I needed to get to would be 10 minutes and my, the plane doors were already closed. Uh, I sprinted yet again uh, and was soaking wet as I got on the plane, out of breath. I was like, they're not going to let me on. They're going to think I'm a terrorist and I have things up. And it's just, but it was chaotic. Worst travel days of my life the last two days. Um, not to mention, the woman sitting next to me dumped an entire Bloody Mary on me. And I'm going to a conference to talk to teenagers. Uh, so running through an airport, looking like you've got blood all over your pants. Uh, so, I mean, you, you just, you're, I'm like, is somebody filming this? Like, is this a reality TV show? Somebody needs to pop out because I'm really angry and I want to laugh. I want to laugh. Um, no, but it was, I'm so glad to be able to, to, to be with you guys this morning, uh, to be able to, to share, uh, honestly, one of my, my favorite qualities and characteristics of God that is completely displayed in the gospel. I do believe it's a very clear picture of the gospel. Uh, and so I'd really just like to pray, uh, because I know sometimes there's some arm crossing that can go on in our hearts when we talk about generosity and being a blessing, but I'd really just like to pray and ask the Lord to uncross our arms. So... Father, I ask that in these moments that we look at your character and your nature, that as your creation, we would respond to you. That generosity would not just be something we check off or being a blessing to someone would be on a to-do list. But Lord, because you have been generous, we also can be. And it's not so much about what we do, but who we are because of you. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that you would make the change or the shift that has to happen in our head and in our hearts about what it really means to be a blessing. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, I am one who says that the money thing, if it was only about stuff, man, that would be so easy, right? Giving our stuff is what we do. We're America. We write checks. It's what we do. It's not that difficult. We say it is, but really that's actually the easiest part of generosity, is just giving stuff away. And honestly, if God had only been able to give us stuff, then we might follow in line and just be about giving stuff. Some of you are more interested in getting a pony from God than what he actually offers us in the scripture. Scripture reveals that God didn't just give us things and stuff. He actually gives us himself. 
which is what we need more than anything else in this world. And I know you may have been duped by the world to believe that you need, I need the right money, I need the right job, I need the right education, I need the right spouse, I need the right children, I need the right... You're convinced that it's about the stuff that he might give you as being more important than actually him giving you himself. And this is where the shift has to change in our hearts as Christ followers. Because there's some of you in this morning, when you, when you hear God has been generous, you're like, I got unpaid bills. I got X, Y, and Z that I don't have, so I don't know how generous he's been. Are you breathing? Is your heart beating? Apparently that's God being generous to us, but we don't see it that way, do we? We don't see it that way. But even greater and grander than that is not that the scriptures reveal that God provides for our lives. He actually has given us himself. This is why generosity becomes more about the things and stuff that we give away. And it becomes about us giving our lives away. In Titus chapter 2, He gave His life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us His very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Galatians chapter 1, Jesus gave His life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. Galatians 2, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If only it was about our stuff, right? But because God has laid down another way of life for us, He didn't just tell us to give our lives away. He actually gave his life to us, for us. Paul had a deep understanding as one who who hated the church, lived to destroy the church, wanted to kill Christ's followers. He saw the generosity of God meet him, transform him, and give him new life. Peter, in his writings in 1 Peter, he's writing to believers who have been scattered into foreign lands where people do not agree with them, do not like them, do not believe what they believe, sounds very familiar. But in the first, in the first chapter of 1 Peter, he starts talking about the hope and assurance that Christ's followers have. He speaks of the eternity that God has planned and will come to pass because God's promised it. He talks about trials and how God wastes nothing that happens in our life. Nothing is wasted, even trials. And that can cause us hope to know that he's forming himself even when we suffer. He goes on to talk about the prophets of old. They're the ones who were speaking things that they had no clue what they were talking about. They're not the ones who got to meet and see Jesus and believe Jesus. And then he talks about the angels basically looking over the edge of heaven, hoping and wanting to know, how is this all going to play out? And then he says to them in 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 18, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. Do we believe that? I don't necessarily know if we do. 
I think we keep thinking that it gains its value, but God has other ideas about it. Verse 19, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will, quick, will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. All of Paul's words echo the psalmist's declaration in Psalm 13. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. See, it wasn't just about things and stuff. And let me just make this clear. God will never give us anything in this life that is designed to give us more pleasure than he himself. God will not give you a gift, a blessing, a thing, an object that is designed to divert your eyes off of him. To look at this thing and go, this is my blessing, this is my blessing. You have corrupted it and it's become your idol. God has been freely giving himself because it is what we are in need of most. And that's where our hearts get off track because we believe there are other things in this world that we need more than him. Generosity among believers is actually a mirror and it allows to see the world to see the generosity of God. Generous people, generous Christ followers actually alert the world to God's reign, that he is king and that he is generous. And I don't necessarily know if we believe that. Or it's because we've found some stuff and we really love that more than we love that God has been generous with himself to us, giving freely. To be a blessing to someone, and the, and the direction we, will, we take that word blessing, is to add strength to someone else's arm. To add strength to someone else's arm. That is a, a, a burden being lifted off the shoulders, something being lifted so that someone can take a breath that someone can, can there's a stressor, stressor that's been relieved. And we can honestly see this idea of blessing, first and foremost, in God's promise to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a blessing to the nations. I'm going to make you a blessing. From your line will come the blessing for all the nations. And Jesus actually sets himself up, under, he knew, obviously, that he is that blessing to the nations. And in Luke chapter 4, when, when he walks in, as he often did, to, to the synagogues, and he starts to teach, and he starts to unpack things, he reads these words. In verse 18 of Luke chapter 4, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. 
He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus lifted the heaviest burden off of our shoulders so that we now have a role in blessing others. The heaviest burden of sin and the penalty and power of sin has been lifted off the shoulders of those who call Christ Lord. That burden being removed means we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer, to, uh, we are no longer subject to the, the penalty of sin. We no longer come under the judgment of God, but the grace of God, the rescue of God has found us, lift this, this thing off of our shoulders so that we now, as little burden lifters, point to the big burden lifter. This is what it means to be a blessing. This is what it means to bless others, to add strength to another's arm. And I know for some of us, that can be very scary because we don't know if we have anything to offer. But it didn't say how big or how small that burden had to be. And I love Romans chapter 12 because Paul gets very specific. And I know for some of us, we really love, give me some specifics. Don't give me abstract. Give me some very specifics. And Paul's, you know, writing Romans, and, and up to chapter 11, you're seeing all of these big theological unpackings of what has happened, how the power of sin has been destroyed, and that the life-giving spirit now dwells in you, and you walk as one who is free, not a slave. And, and then he goes into Romans 12, where we love that verse, or, you know, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God transform you into a new person. By the way, you think, he just, all of this stuff happens. And then verse 3, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. I love that. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Paul just said, check yourself. <laughs> Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. I, I wish we had time to unpack that. But how do you measure yourself often? The ruler of the world, right? Success, fame, power, um, what people think of you, all those different things. He's given us a totally different measuring stick right there. I, 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 we don't have the time to talk about it, but verse 4, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Let me unpack that for just a second. <laughs> we all belong to each other. That freaks me out because I know some of you. <laughs> It should freak you out. It should make you go, what? <laughs> I don't know if I, I know how that works. Good. I'm glad we, don't, we can admit that we don't know how that works because that's why God has revealed his words to us. Verse 6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. 
And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Verse 9, don't just pretend to love others. Good grief. If the church took this one on. How you doing, sister? I hate that girl. (laughs) Blessings. I hope a car hits her on the way out. Like, that's how we are. Don't just pretend to love others. Man, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Basically, check yourself before you wreck yourself. If there were bookend statements for this chapter... That would be what it is. These are the things why I would suggest that Scripture points to a life given over. A life that is handed over to be generous with me. You, be generous with you. Not just your things or your stuff, but you are generous with your life. Paul actually said that when he was writing to the church in Thessalonica, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. You know, because we belong to each other, what if the question wasn't, what am I going to get out of this? Which is the question we ask, right? It is the only question we ask as Christians, right? What am I going to get out of this? I'm not getting anything out of this. I don't want to go tonight. I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm not going on Sunday. I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm not getting anything out of it. Meeting with Christians. I'm not getting out of it. That's what we do. That's how we talk. That is the first thing out of our mouth. Nine times out of ten. Oh, I'm not going to get anything out of it. What if because we belong to each other, the first question out of our mouth was, how am I going to give my life away today? Who needs me? today. How can I pour myself out today? Because we belong to each other, I would hope we'd ask that. Because if I woke up and with my family, my attitude was, I'm not going to get anything out of this today. I'm going to feed my kids. I'm not going to get anything out of it. I'm going to pay some bills for them. I'm not going to get anything out of it. When I sit down at the dining room table, I'm going to ask them how their day was. I'm not going to get anything out of it. Like, can you see how this translates to the family? It's what we do because we're so convinced it's about stuff and things. But if the scripture is true and God has been generous with himself, it's a whole new set of questions. It is a shared life that someone can see what generous kindness looks like. It is in a shared life that we get to see what generous patience looks like. It's a shared life that allows us to see what generous wisdom looks like, generous goodness, generous forgiveness, generous counsel, generous instruction, generous comfort, generous mercy. 
and to be generous with the gospel. This happens in a shared life, not just in things and stuff. But practically, I know because we, we do love practicals, how do I bless? How do, am I generous? And I don't know, for some of you, maybe you have read the five love languages. Gary Chapman gives a, a great list of how people love to give love and receive love. I mean, it's quality time, gifts, acts of service, physical touch, uh, and, and um, no words, words of encouragement. So you've got these five ways that people find themselves giving love and receiving love. And, and a lot of times the confusion comes when, when your, your, your language speaking is different than what the person you're trying to give love needs. And that's when we get frustrated, right? That's the most difficult part of the love languages. Is we're like, well, well, my gift is words. Well, I love it when you serve. <laughs> that's not my gift. My gift is words. Uh, and that's where you can see the rub when it comes to the five love languages. But practically, as Christ followers, looking to be a blessing can come about in any of those ways. You know, for me, words of encouragement is by far my highest way of, of, of receiving love. Like for me, when my wife encourages me, I feel like I can punch a bear right through his stomach. Like I'm just like, boom, what up now, bear? My, you know, I don't know why I'd be that close to a bear to begin with. But if Doreen were to encourage me, and when I get words, I mean, I think it was Mark Twain, he was like, on, on one kind word, I can live for a month. Like when it comes to words being spoken, you have no idea the words that some of the people you come in contact with, both in the church and outside the church, are being tempted to believe. The voices of the culture of success or failure are so loud. What if we did not withhold our words, but we spoke them? I mean, how many times have we said, man, at somebody's funeral, I wish I had told them this? Right? We say that all the time. Well, I had this thought to encourage somebody the other day. So? Really? I mean, that's what we do. We're like, ah, I was thinking about them the other day. Then say the words! <laughs> you know? Like, that's really what this generosity, this blessing mentality, this blessing lifestyle looks like. It's, it's no longer me just kind of going, Ugh. it's me actually going, man, I saw you doing a great job yesterday, and I just wanted to say it. You know, I, I know that you've been struggling, and I just want you to know that I'm, 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 I see it, and I want to sit next to you as you struggle. You know, I was thinking of you the other day, so I thought I'd write you. Facebook, text, we have more modes of communication, yet people are so alone today. I don't understand that. We have so many ways to connect with people, but people are more lonely than ever. What if words became a part of who we were because the words of life have been spoken to us. You know, a couple years ago, I was able to go to Ecuador, and I've shared with you a little bit about the Compassion uh, Stadia Partnership. Uh, and, and this was the, uh, we went to this home, I think I, I gave you that, did I give you a picture for that one? I think I did. Um, but we went to this woman's house, and, uh, and part of the Compassion Workers' role is the zero to three-year-old range of life uh, is very sketch in third world countries. And so to, for a child to make it to three years old is huge. 
And so they have very specific targeted uh, workers who go and help families learn how to move their baby's arms and legs, and they, re- they cycle out new toys, and they tell the moms, here's what you can work on with your child at this stage in development. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel. And the woman that was, that's praying for the other woman there, she just wanted to stop because she could see this woman just kind of overwhelmed, and she just looked at her and said, you are doing an incredible job as a mother. And that mom just broke down in tears. And it made, it, it made me go, man, how, how often have I encouraged my wife that she's doing an incredible job as a mother? How much I want words of encouragement, but I don't give them away. Like all of us, to hear words that we have value, that we matter, that we have something to offer the world, it's what we want. And if I love receiving words of encouragement, then if the the scripture is true, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, then I better get busy encouraging. Not just in encouraging, but giving gifts. You know, it's amazing how we, 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 we laugh at gift giving, but you know, if you really think of the practicals that are involved with gift giving, number one, when you're going to give a gift, that means you've thought of the person. And I've talked about my disdain for someone telling me, I thought about giving you a gift. Now, I don't like that at, at all. Like, that makes me mad. <laughs> don't tell me that. <laughs> Just don't tell me you thought of me at all. But, but when, you, when truly when there is a gift being given, there's thought, oh, I, you know what? I thought of this person the other day. And you know, for some people, to know that they're being thought of matters because they live in a very lonely world, a lonely space, that to know that you're, they're on somebody's mind matters. But then there was effort given in whatever the gift was purchased or it was created or it was made. And then when you bring that gift to that person, it's, a, it's an admission of, I know you. Remember, you, you say this all the time. Like when you buy a gift for somebody, like, I thought of you when I saw this. Like, it's what we do, right? Like, I thought of you when I saw this. It's, I, I knew it. it had to be yours. It had, you had to have this. You can see how those things, those qualities to gift giving can be a huge strength to someone else's arm. You know, and, and then I think we get to those acts of kindness. You know, where, where you see the bumper stickers, Practice random acts of kindness, right? Like, I get that. I, I do think we should be willing to be interrupted in our day to just bless somebody. But the scripture takes it a step further when we become intentional about kindness to each other. Like, we actually plan our days thinking about how can I bless somebody? How can I be an encouragement to somebody because Christ has blessed me? How can I bless somebody else? Like, it's just this, this flow. It's this, this idea that, that God has given himself so I can actually give of myself. Like, the things that I think I so desperately have to have and my selfishness wanting to take over gets destroyed when I look at the cross. It gets knocked down, it gets, tr- it gets trampled on, and I actually see how generous Christ has been, and I'm like, oh, right. My life was meant to be given away. Like, that's, that's what living really is. 
And it just happens to alert the world that God is generous. Can you imagine if a place existed on the earth where people aimed to outdo each other in this type of living for each other? Newsflash. It's the church. <laughs> That's who we were made to be. You know, it was amazing. Um, I, I coached uh, Asheville City League third and fourth grade team who we were without a doubt the champs in the league, all right? Uh, never lost a game. My kids know that. They boasted that we were the champions. And so anyways, we got up real big on this one team. And there were guys on our team that they, they know basketball. They do. They're like good at it. They, they just have this knowledge of it. And so we're up big on this team. And so I pulled the whole team aside and I said, look, here's what's going to happen. We're going to work together to help those who aren't as involved get involved. We're going to make it a priority. And I don't care if you have an open layup. You dribble it back up the court. You wait for everybody to get down. And we work together and help those that aren't always involved get involved. I tell you what, like when these kids started to see that they were actually making effort to help other kids score, like faces were lighting up. Families were cheering and celebrating together at the fact that these kids were trying to help other kids do what they do. It was a beautiful picture, and it was one of the most fun games of the year. And it was just that, that, that opportunity to change the mentality of, man, we want to make everybody feel a part in this game and make them feel like they contributed and make them feel like they know that they were a part of something. And it just mattered. And the celebrations and the faces and the smiles and the families just... It was, it was an incredible moment of considering others and looking to outdo each other in honoring another. Blessing to give strength to someone else's arm. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. You know, as we close this morning, when the band comes, I was reading... Um, an article, <clears throat> it was actually in a book that, that an article was referred to, um, and it was, the title of the article was Blessers versus Converters. And it was a fascinating study that they did where they basically followed two teams that went to Thailand. And the first team, their entire mission intent was to be a blessing wherever they could be. Wherever they saw need, they could try and meet it, they would help with it, they would come, you know, they would ask what were needed, and then they would go for it, and they would help. The other team went with converting, the idea of just sharing the gospel, street evangelism, witnessing, and that was it. And they, they, they found two major findings with this research. And the first was, pretty, pretty usual, that the ones who went with the intent of blessing actually had more of a social impact, which makes total sense. When you're looking out for the good of others, socially there will be an impact. But the second finding they found was what shocked them. The blessers saw 50 times more people come to Christ than the converters did. 50 times more. They were more effective in people finding their way back to God than those who went with the intent of just sharing words. See, when you open the door for blessing, you actually cause the questions to come. Why do you care about me? Why does this matter? Why is this important to you? And the conversations happen. 
But I want to be very careful with this. Because there's two traps that we can fall into as Christ followers. And they're very ugly, ugly, ugly traps. And the first trap is, well, I've been so busy blessing people, no one's blessing me. You ever thought that? I have. I've thought it. And it sours me. And it takes away and it steals, and it kills. But see, Jesus didn't, didn't bless to get. Jesus gave. The second gross thing we can fall into is blessing someone to convert them. See, conversion just means I've gone from one way of life to another. I've gone one, from one way of life of believing and being mastered by sin to coming under the reign of Christ. That's, really, that's, what it, that's what we mean by that. But you and I, we don't look at people as projects. Do you like to be looked at as a project? I hate it. When I know somebody's trying to work on me, I'm going to work on you, the backhand. <laughs> we don't like to be treated as projects. You and I in the Bible are not commanded to bless to convert. We're just commanded to bless. We are called to give our lives away because Christ gave his life. And I love that Jesus knew that about us. I love that when Jesus goes to parties, he's always shocking people. You know, because we have a tendency to bless those who can bless us. Oh, you know what? If I bless them, they'll bless me. And Jesus said, you better stop that because that's gross. He went to a dinner party. You remember the dinner party with the, the religious folks? And this is what he says in Luke chapter 14. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they'll invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of, righteous, of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. I love that Jesus knew our wicked hearts because <laughs> he hits it right out of the park with this. Our motivation for blessing is not to be blessed. Our motivation for blessing is not to convert. Our motivation for blessing is that Christ has blessed us. Being generous with our stuff is part of it. But more than that, people need our lives to be given away. Jesus didn't just ask us to do that. He actually did it. And so my question for you this morning is, do you know, in 1 Peter chapter 1, for you know, do you know, that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors? And it was not paid with mere silver or gold, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Do you know that? You know, as we close our service, we'll have some folks standing over here ready to just pray with you, receive uh, whatever you want to share with them, or you could just say, hey, just pray for me. Or maybe you have questions. Maybe you're like, I don't get this whole God purchasing me back from death. I don't understand those things. We'd love to take it further and just answer any questions, journey with you in that. But generosity and blessing is so much more than stuff in our wallets, and I hope you won't limit generosity to stuff and wallets. 
but that you truly will because Christ has given his life away, you will also give yours. Father, I just ask that it's your Holy Spirit that would teach us. We can't do this on our own. We are are incapable of blessing as the scriptures invite us and encourage us and command us to. We are in total need of you to live your life through us. Lord, as we lay our lives down, would your life come through bright and clear so that the world would know you. It's in your name we pray.